Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. When I sent my twins, John, David, and Lucy, to school when they were 12 years old, let's see, that's 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, what is that, 5th or 6th grade, I certainly did not expect them to start a sex relationship with their married teacher. No, that's not what I thought was happening. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. Well, apparently in Covington, Tennessee, that is exactly what happened. Listen. Alyssa McCommon was arrested and brought here to the Tipton County Jail. She's accused of raping one of her former students. Now take a look at her mugshot. The 38-year-old teacher is accused. She's charged with rape of a child. Covington police say the child was age 12 or younger at the time of the alleged sexual abuse. Charged with raping a child. The Covington Police Department arrested 38-year-old Alyssa McCommon today. Police say multiple juvenile victims came forward stating they were befriended by McCommon, that's their former teacher, which led to McCommon requesting sexual relations with the victims. Befriended? These are 12-year-old boys. They're barely old enough to join the 4-H club for Pete's sake. They may even be a weebelow in Scouts. Sex with a 12-year-old boy with the teacher? As if that's not bad enough, but There's more. In the last hours, a bombshell development. Wait for it. Listen. Today, a recording of a phone call between the suspect, Alyssa McCommon, and an alleged victim was played in court. And during the call, McCommon makes references to a baby. During today's hearing, McCommon's bond was revoked. She's scheduled to be back in court in late November. A baby. Do you think that the then 12-year-old little boy's parents' heads are just blowing off? Just like explode. Their then 12-year-old little boy is going to be a daddy with his teacher. Now, I, I want to analyze what she said to the boy on the phone. You just forget we ever talked, okay? I'll raise this baby and I'll love this baby. I'll do it by myself. Well, isn't she brave? She's going to do it on her own. What, does she think a little boy is going to feel a sense of responsibility? Like he's going to man up and go get a second job to support the baby? My my head is spinning. Okay, I want to hear that specific part again. I couldn't hear it that well. Take a listen. Our cut 34, and you were earlier hearing WREG. Take a listen. Our cut 34. This is the teacher, the married teacher, on the phone, talking to the then 12-year-old little boy. Listen. <laughs> I'll do it myself. I guess you will, lady. With me, an all-star panel makes sense of what we are learning. But I want to tell you, the plot thickens. 
in addition to charges that she had sex multiple times with a 12-year-old boy, her student, and that now she's pregnant, she says, with his baby? Oh, yes, there's more. But let's just get that far first. First of all, to Audrey Conklin, crime reporter, Fox News Digital. Audrey Conklin, thank you for being with us. What? A 12-year-old boy fathers a baby with his teacher? How did this start? Well, so according to a police affidavit, the first sexual assault with this victim who was 12 years old at the time happened in 2021. So if she's pregnant now, as she's saying in those phone calls, this relationship with a minor has been going on for years, which is the really disturbing part. Um, and it just surfaced now because the victim came forward. You're hearing uh, investigative reporter with Fox News Digital, Audrey Conklin. But I want you to hear more of what this teacher has to say to the little boy victim. Take a listen to our friends Fox 13. Alyssa McCommon's hearing Tuesday morning centered around a series of text messages and a phone call prosecutors say McCommon had with the victim. I have to tell you something that is serious and huge. It has to do with you. A Covington police detective testified this alleged conversation happened last Tuesday. The detective testified McCommon eventually identified herself and told the victim she was pregnant. It was a mistake. This is my birth. OMG, delete this number. Please don't get me in trouble. Please don't get me in trouble. Okay, you're already in trouble, lady. You're pregnant, according to you, with a then 12-year-old little boy's child. But... I don't understand why she continues to contact the boy. Listen again, Fox 13. After that initial text exchange, the detective testified the victim and their parent went to police. In a controlled setup, the detective said McCommon and the victim talked on the phone. A recording played in court allowed the judge to hear the conversation presumed to be between McCommon and the victim. Common sounded frantic and scared. I'm just really scared. I don't even know if it's you or not. I'm going to never catch you again. You will never hear from me again. Please don't say anything. McCommon also brought up her apparent pregnancy. I'm going to raise this baby. I can do this. Are all those tears supposed to somehow sway a little boy into what? doing the right thing and marrying the married teacher. I, I don't understand the purpose of her phone calls. Uh, joining me, in addition to Audrey Conklin, investigative reporter with Fox News Digital, I'm going to go to Sam Dordulian, high-profile lawyer, joining us out of L.A., former L.A. County sex crimes prosecutor and founder of the Dordulian Group. Sam, thanks for being with us. What? Why is she calling him? You know, she's just continuing the manipulation that she started when she first began the predatory conduct. This is just her attempt to manipulate this boy, hoping, of course, that somehow it's going to help her in this criminal charge that she's facing. She's a predator. She's a manipulator. And that's what she's continuing to do right now. You know, um... Let me, uh, you're right. Everything that you just said, Sam Dordulian. But now to Anna Sonoda child grooming expert, licensed clinical social worker, author of Duck, Duck, Groom, understanding how a child becomes a target, just exactly the kind of expert that Sam Dordillion would call to the stand. Anna, 
Have you ever seen scenarios where there's a breakup, a romantic breakup, and the one party calls the other party and goes, hey, I think I left my um, umbrella at your house. You could go buy a new one, right? Or I, I think I left my whatever, or I want to come by and pick up my stuff. It's an excuse. You don't need the hairspray. You don't need the curling iron. You don't need any of that. Leave it. It's an excuse to contact the other person. See what I'm saying? Why is she still contacting this boy? And if she is pregnant by this boy, that means they've had sex within at least the last nine months. I don't, I don't know how far along she is. I don't know if this boy is the father. I know nothing about the, the biological father. But I do know she's claiming it's the boy. But what about these continued phone calls? What does she want? Child support? Nancy, you've brought up some excellent points. I think where we could start is with the four F's of grooming. And that is flattery, favoritism, forbidden fruits, and fear. I need to write that down. Flattery, favoritism, forbidden fruits, and fear. Okay. And fear. And if we only understood that as a culture, that every single time a predator is grooming a child and a family, they're starting sweet. They're starting with flattery. And that happened online with her using gaming consoles, personal devices, and online gaming apps in order to flatter these boys and give them attention. And then she selected and will probably notice that there will be more than this one boy, but there will be multiple children who were selected by her as their favorite. What came across to me as really compelling and egregious is that this initial attack, which happened in 2021, occurred during a sleepover at the teacher's home. And what we know from research is that over 82% of the time, the sexual predator is going to victimize the child in their home. Okay, wait, I I need to take in what you're just telling me. The, is this right, Audrey Conklin? And I have no reason to doubt Anna Sinota. She's been right on every fact she's ever spouted out. Audrey Conklin, the first, I don't even want to call it a sex encounter. Don't you think that's a mistake, Sam Dordulian, to call an adult having sex with a child a sex encounter? And we seem to be bass backwards when it comes to boy victims because there's so many jokes around it, like, whoa, I want her to be my homeroom teacher. When it comes to a boy, when it's a girl, there's all sorts of outrage, as there should be. But I don't think it's right to call it sex, because it's still a rape, Sam Dordulian. It it absolutely is. This is child molestation. This is rape. Uh, and you, what disturbs me, just like you said, is when you read comments about uh, online about these, uh, you know, the female teacher with a male student, somehow it's supposed to be a good thing. He should be proud of it. He should be boasting about it. It is child molestation. These children, and they are children, uh, aren't making these decisions. They're being groomed, just like uh, your guest just spoke about. Hey, can I tell you something, Sam Dordulian and everybody on the panel? Uh, it was a couple of months, it was actually over the summer, the twins said that this little girl that had been in their mm, middle school class, which would have meant five, six, seventh grade, had sent out nudies, okay, sent out naked pictures 
to somebody, sent it to one person, and of course, that person just sent it to everybody. So I guess the whole school has seen this poor girl without her shirt on. Long story short, my son told me, he said, Mom, she was topless. He whispered the word topless. Mom, she was topless. I'm like, really? <laughs> but my point is, they're not equipped to even talk frankly or logically or with any real knowledge to talk about what? S-E-X, sex, much less engage in sex with a teacher, Dordulian. No, that's absolutely true. And the studies verify that. You know, they've, they've done studies where they've tried to suggest certain things, certain touching, not obviously sexual touching in the studies, but certain touching uh, that occurred. And, and children just aren't equipped to understand what sex is. So it's very hard for them to even be suggested that certain th things happen. They don't know the subject. They don't understand it. They don't understand the consequences of it. Uh, that's why they are child victims. This is not someone that, sh you know, we should be lauding as, oh, good for him. You know, he's a male. So sometimes it's something good. It's, it's an awful thing that this child will have to suffer potentially permanently for the rest of his life, the trauma that comes along with this. And then if you throw in the other consequences, it's, it's a horrible situation, whether it's sexual transmitted disease, whether it's pregnancies, whether it's all these other things that no child is ever thinking about at the time that they're being molested. Stories with Nancy Grace. I want to go to Dr. Sherry Schwartz joining us. And boy, do we need a shrink. Forensic psychologist specializing in take cases just like this. Author of Criminal Behavior, where law and psychology intersect. Dr. Sherry Schwartz, do you agree, and I'm sure you can verbalize it much better than I am, that even the way you tell preteens or whatever age you think is appropriate about sex, even the way you tell them is can affect how they see relationships romantic relationships for the rest of their life because they've got that in their head so they're what you tell them so their first encounter is going to be um, let me say colored by what you've told them and then that encounter will affect the rest of the encounters and then the rest of the encounters for the rest of their lives. So my understanding is that you should not joke about it. You shouldn't make light of it. You shouldn't be embarrassed about it. That you should be, you know, frank and matter of fact and like that. So this is going to be this kid's first knowledge of sex and that's going to mess his head up the rest of his life. Absolutely. And this is exactly what the research shows. And you said it perfectly. And think about the the extra added influence and power that a teacher has over the kids that they teach, right? The kids in their class, especially from an early age, because... As parents, we're also complicit in teaching children that they should trust and respect their teacher, that their teacher is good and kind. And now parents have to look at it the other way and say, you know what, actually, this is just another human being. And that's a conversation that you have to have with your children very carefully. And this does have long lasting 
harm on a child when there is teacher abuse in any way, but especially in this way. Back to Audrey Conklin, investigative reporter with Fox News Digital. Was Anna Sonoda correct, and I believe she is, that the first rape of this little boy by his married teacher was at the teacher's home? Yes, he was spending the night at her house in 2021, and he was sleeping when he awoke to her allegedly sexually assaulting him. That's according to what he told police um, in an affidavit. Can I ask why the boy was sleeping at the teacher's home? Just for starters. We don't know that right now. That's not included in the affidavit. But what we do know is that she has children. So maybe it was, you know, some kind of children's sleepover. I'm I'm not totally sure. I know McCommon had been a fourth grade teacher at Charger Academy. Um, she was teaching English and language at the school. I know that much. I guess I'm not sure about this. Um Joining me is Lisa Daddio, former police lieutenant, New Haven PD, senior lecturer, director of center, advanced policing and graduate program coordinator there at University of New Haven. Lisa, I guess if it were cloaked in the verbiage, well, I'm having a class sleepover for all the, all the children or, um, let them come over and sleep over with my children. I guess there's a way it could have been presented innocently. So, you know, that's a tough one for me because obviously many years investigating and then supervising the sexual assault unit. So for me, it's always a red flag. Um, I guess not knowing that the town, the community, you know, that this school is in or, you know, how they are with other teachers, it could be perceived as innocent and there's nothing wrong with it because it's a quote class you know type of event or you know whichever um but again knowing what i know for me it's a red flag it's predator behavior it's you know everything um my gosh it's just horrific as more and more details of this case come out it's just honestly unbelievable guys we are talking about a teacher her name is Alyssa mccommon now 38 who just dropped a stink bomb in the middle of the courtroom announcing we now know that she's pregnant it comes out in court she announces it in messages to the little boy she apparently has been sleeping with and not sleeping with, raping. You know, speaking of raping a boy, joining me is forensic nurse expert Rachel Fisher. By now, you should know her name well. She is a SANE, S-A-N-E, sex assault nurse examiner. She's been an expert witness all over the country. She is in charge of forensic nursing consulting and education. Forensic nursing consulting. Let that sink in. Forensic nursing consulting and education at legalrnconsult.org. That is a mouthful. We're going to have to work on that, Rachel Fisher. Rachel Fisher, how or even can you conduct a rape kit analysis on 
a boy. So when a boy comes into the hospital, we have to do the whole exam where we get them naked in our exam room. We have to tell them that we're going to be touching their their penis. We're going to be moving their your, their balls around, whatever they call their parts. And we actually have to physically touch and feel and take swabs to take evidence. And as we're doing this, typically the boys, even if they're young, they'll get an erection and then they giggle and then they feel bad. And that's the first time that we have to tell them, you know, I'm, I'm a nurse, I'm touching your penis and I'm rubbing this swab up and down to get DNA but that is a natural human response to stimulation. And we have to explain to them that um, when they get an erection and sometimes they ejaculate, they, they feel bad and they feel guilty. And that's many times why they don't tell anybody because it felt good, right? And so that's our first time to tell them that even though this may feel good, I'm doing it for medical purposes and that, you know, this is a safe place to do it. But then it opens that conversation for them to feel better about talking about it. Can I tell you, Rachel? I didn't even think that's what you were going to say. And I usually, I guess you'll agree, Sam Dardulli, never ask the question you don't know the answer to. I did not expect you to, to, start, yeah, to start off about rubbing the child's penis and him getting an erection. That, I did not see that coming. I thought you were going to say, well, there's really no way to look at a boy and tell if the boy has been raped. I thought that's what you were going to say. say see, they did not teach me forensic nursing in, med- in law school. Okay, that's why I did not know what you were going to say, because with a girl, you can um, find bruising in the vaginal or anal area. If the child had been a virgin, you will find evidence of a, a, a hymen puncture of, or, or damage. You might find scrapes or abrasions, all sorts of things. But with a boy, what are you going to find? Although what you're saying is DNA. You can find injury on a boy, especially if there's um, uncircumcised versus circumcised. Um, we've seen, you know, in young children who haven't been circumcised, and we don't know this, um, these children are, you know, their status, but if you retract the foreskin, it can, it can tear away. And we've seen injuries of sexually assaulted kids um, that their foreskin is torn and um, it causes scarring. Um, a lot of times you don't see scars, but scars can be left behind. Um, if there's anal assault, depending what kind of assault happened, um, that there can be scars. It's not always the case, but we look for scars. We look for injuries, infections, especially STDs that can be transferred. You don't know what they've been exposed to medically. Depending on what the person who assaulted them has, they can pass that on to children. And we see that all the time, that children are positive for STDs from their abuser. You know, Rachel Fisher, forensic nurse expert, that is amazing to us lay people what you just said. Because going into this, I did not know any way that you could tell, unless there had been anal penetration, if a boy had been raped. But there are certain ways. Now, in this case, I don't believe Audrey Conklin that he went to the doctor or a nurse immediately following the sex with the teacher. So there's not going to be any DNA. Yeah, from what we understand, he was quiet or, you know, didn't come forward about it until a couple years after that first incident. Who is this woman? Listen to our friends at Crime Online. Alyssa McCommon isn't new to teaching. Before she joined Charger Academy, she was the fifth grade teacher at Crestview Elementary. At Charger Academy, she teaches fourth grade English, language arts, and social studies. 
Students in fourth grade are typically nine or ten years old. McCommon is also a married mom of two daughters. In 2022, McCommon posted pictures of her girls to social media on their first day of eighth and fifth grades. Dear Lord in heaven, were her daughters, this kid's classmates? I, I got to figure out the timing on that, but listen to more. Early in this school year, parents met with police reporting their child had been sexually assaulted by McCommon. The now 16-year-old student said he was 12 years old at the time and in seventh grade. The student said the assault happened in the McCommon home, where he was spending the night. He says sometime in the night, the teacher woke him and sexually assaulted him. There's no word on why the boy was staying at the McCommon home. Multiple juveniles have now come forward claiming McCommon played video games with them online, befriending them. The contact progressed to communication through social media apps, where the teacher reportedly sent inappropriate photos and asked for sex, according to police. Okay. I was just about to say, if there's no DNA and no physical evidence left, how are we going to prove the case through technology? Well, let's just pray for the prosecution's sake that this woman has the iCloud, because all of those photos and requests are going to be up there stored away. But speaking of technology... Take a listen to our friends at Action News. Covington police say McCommon used a phone that police did not know about and initiated contact with an alleged victim, which is a violation of her bond. Police say McCommon used a code number to communicate with the male and allegedly told him he would, quote, regret doing this. Police say she also admitted to a sexual encounter with the mail. McCommon is now charged with coercion of a witness, aggravated stalking, tampering with evidence, and harassment. She's being held without bond tonight. Tipton County authorities are asking anyone whose child may have been contacted by an unknown number to call law enforcement. Okay, that's not good. Uh, wasn't it the Weinstein case, Audrey Conklin? Harvey Weinstein, the movie mogul, where they actually had a toll-free number? For women to call if he had molested them or forced them into sex. Yes, Jackie's what? It's bad when you've got your own 800 number for your sex victims. Yes, I think you're right. I think that happens. And um, we've seen that in a few different high profile sexual assault cases where they set up a number um, for other victims to come forward if they haven't done so already. Okay, I'm about to go to William Slater, cybersecurity expert and chief information security officer at Slater Technologies. You can find him at BillSlater.com. But Bill, I I'm just a little hung up on what I just heard. Tipton County authorities are asking anyone whose child may have been contacted by an unknown number to call law enforcement. They actually believe there are more Victims? Okay, listen to our friends WREG. Now, CPD, they say that other victims have come forward saying McCommon started playing video games with them, which led to her allegedly sending inappropriate photos and requesting sexual relations. Her attorney says she maintains her innocence. We believe that it's borderline a witch hunt on social media now, and that's frustrating to us. A witch hunt? Are they kidding? Sam Dordulian, a high-profile lawyer joining me out of L.A., former prosecutor. It's a witch hunt because 
The cops are looking for other victims of the teacher, Alyssa McCommon. That's the witch hunt. We know from all of these cases, we've all seen it before who worked in this industry, that these kind of child predators, it's not just one. Uh, they have multiple victims. It's just a matter of finding these multiple victims. And as more and more of these children come forward, of course you want to ask the public about, um, you know, whether or not their children who are not going to come up and speak unless they're specifically asked. And even then, it's, we're unsure if they're going to actually admit it. But these predators will commit these offenses against multiple children. And that's something that we know from trying these type of cases over and over again. And what's sad about this particular one is, uh, like you said earlier, there's outrage when it's a male teacher and there's less of an outrage when it's this female teacher because we're trained to, you know, put our guards down when it's a female, when it's a mom. We have expectations that they're not going to be the child predators. But we've seen on your show even multiple instances of where you have these women who are also child predators. We as parents have to keep our guards up. Just because it's a woman, just because it's a mom, doesn't mean they're not capable of doing these horrific acts as we're seeing in this particular case. To Anna Sonoda joining us, child grooming expert, licensed clinical social worker, author of Duck, Duck, Groom, understanding how a child becomes a target. Anna, if I don't ask you the next question, my producer, Jackie, will never stop waving a note at me. It's very distracting. The question is, have you ever seen That's My Boy, a movie by Adam Sandler, where a parent, I've never seen that, that just has not been on my list, uh, about a teen raising his teacher's baby. Uh, okay, it must be about Mary Kay Letourneau. Um that said, I think what she's trying to communicate in her own very special, special way is that this is glamorized. This activity is glamorized. It's called Hot for Teacher, where you have this in, in the movies and it's always some incredibly sexy teacher and a, a boy student. It's not hot. It's rape. And it messes the kid's head up. Forever. You're exactly right, Nancy. Predators are fueled by gas. So grooming, access, and space. And the school administrators here in this situation provided all three to this predator. There's a reason that she placed herself in elementary schools and in middle schools because predators have a type. And her type is young, newly adolescent males. And one thing we have to remember, because we can often get ourselves into situations of feeling parental paralysis, because this is a very scary idea and a scary concept, but predators are, are going to do one of two things. They're either going to elevate minor children to the role of a peer, or they're going to relate to children as an equal. So we don't need to be afraid of everybody because predators stand out in their behavior. This teacher went out of her way to bring children to her. She went on to gaming devices and gaming apps that the children were using. She brought children to her home. There were many indicators of how she was using the grooming process to um, select and attack her victims. So in no way is this a situation that is uh, minor in any way. And you have to have intent. Have you ever gone on Minecraft? I tried to do something with my son, John David, and go on Minecraft. 
you know, you build houses and things like that. It, my head hurts just trying to remember me trying to build a house on Minecraft. This woman must have been very determined if she's going online gaming as an intro to meet little kids. stories with Nancy Grace. Okay, William Slater waiting patiently for a reason. William Slater, did you ever see any of the Winnie the Pooh movies ever in your life? I think I saw it uh, once or twice. Uh, I, I like Willie, Winnie the Pooh, but I'm not a huge fan. Okay, that was the first movie I ever took the twins to, ever was the Winnie the Pooh movie. It was playing at the cinema. It was a new one at that time. And in every Pooh movie, he always falls into a vat of honey. It could be a bowl. It could be a big barrel. He could be trapped in there and he's eating his way out. And he's so happy. That's what I feel like right now. Why? Why do I feel that way when I'm talking about a serious case? Because of tech, technology. You heard... Rachel Fisher, the forensic nurse. You heard Sam Dordulian, Dr. Sherry Schwartz, Lisa Daddio. We don't have physical evidence, but what, such as DNA. But what we do have is tech. A mile long. William Slater, cybersecurity expert, chief information security officer at Slater Technology. Find him at BillSlater.com. I mean, a burner phone? What school teacher needs a burner phone? I mean, criminal law still investigating cases. I don't need a burner phone. Why does a fourth grade teacher need a couple of burner phones? How are we going to track the burner phones? How are we going to get all of those alleged uh, naked or suggestive photos and texts down out of the iCloud? Because you know she's erased it all, William Slater. Well... Uh, first of all, I don't think she's probably smart enough to cover her tracks forensically. She got a burner phone, so she knows something. Yeah, but it, it's very telling when she was first arrested. I'm sure there was a court order that, that barred her from having any communication with the young man she was a, accused of being involved with. Yeah, that worked. So, well, yeah, I know. So so I, uh, it's, it's pretty apparent to me that at this point she was eligible for uh, surveillance and they were just waiting for her to screw up. And, and I'd, I'd like to politely remind everybody that uh, this is, this is like the Mary Kay Letourneau affair in the mid nineties where she got involved with a 12 year old. Also it was a teacher. Really? Yeah. It, it broke up her marriage. Uh, and, and she wound up after spending seven and a half years in jail, she wound up marrying the guy. But that, that just didn't work out. She passed away in 2020 at the age of 58. But that, as it, this is like, this um, situation is like Mary Kay Letourneau with all, with all, all the tech. And, and I'll make a comment here, and uh, I think this is important to state. I've, I've been in the industry over 40 years, actually 46 years. And one thing that I've noticed, I started noticing this in 2007, is that you get people that get, gaming is like a cult. It's it's like a subculture uh, in society, and so gamers, it's it's so stimulating to their brains 
that they, they like to hunt out other gamers and discuss their experiences. So I, I think once she found out that these young people were into vi- computer video games, that was her ticket in to kind of get their attention. And they start discussing the things that gamers discuss. So t- to me, that ought to be a red flag that you've got adults talking about their gaming experiences with young people. Yeah, a red flag to us, but not to children. I mean, Lisa Daddio, uh, my son has said many, many times about a particular scout leader, yeah, he plays video games, or he can do X or Y, or he talks about A or B. And there are things that relate to children. And don't worry, Lisa, I immediately checked out the scout leader. It's totally okay. Uh, and did surveillance, I might add. You do recall the story that two years in a row, I made my husband train to be a volunteer and go camping on the scout trip. It was a week in H-E-L-L. Okay, I should have gotten Eagle Scout in that one week. One day I walked 35,000 steps, okay, watching the twins to make sure they weren't being molested. Guess what? They weren't. Lisa Daddio, I mean, I know you have seen this scenario before, not with the teacher, of maybe, but where the adult grooms the child. The first case I had this way was there was a little boy. I can see him right now. And he was learning disabled. And one thing he loved, he loved to go to the arcade. That's when you'd have to go to an arcade, like in a mall or something, to play video games. And his attacker, who was, uh, to some people, not me, an attractive, accomplished, married guy, great job, education, the works, would give him rolls, Jackie, of quarters. And then he would use up the quarters and then he'd take the little boy home and molest him. So he groomed him. He was playing those games at the arcade, right? Grooming, Lisa Daddio. Oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, Nancy, we've seen it repeatedly. And, and it's, I don't know, I think for at least me, I'm a mom. I have three boys. Um, investigated this type of stuff. Obviously, I, I find it more disturbing when the perpetrators are women. Um, and, and I just can't, in my mind, wrap around the whole at what point do you wake up and say, hey, today I'm going to go out and rape? Hey, I want to follow up on something you just said, Lisa Daddio, with Dr. Sherry Schwartz. She's right. Jurors, Dr. Sherry Schwartz, of course, renowned forensic psychologist and author. Dr. Sherry Schwartz, jurors have a harder time accepting that a female defendant raped someone or killed someone or abused a child because they think of their own mother, their sister, their grandma. It's hard to take that in. But once they accept it, they are vengeful because I think jurors and people in general equate like we're hearing Lisa Daddio say, you don't really expect this from a woman. Statistically, it's low. But I think we equate other women with being moms and that what mom would do this she's got two girls why would she do this to a little boy you're exactly right this is exactly uh in a way it's kind of a burden on women but it cuts both ways because we look at women and say no they they're not perpetrators a sleepover at her house is going to be perfectly safe because she's a woman and she's a mom who wouldn't dare to hurt another child but you are absolutely right once people accept that they are going to be especially hard on that woman And in a way, as they should be. You know, earlier I was asking our tech expert, William Slater, how are we going to prove this case through technology? Well, what about this? Prove it through similar transactions. Take a listen to our friends, WREG. 
We don't know their ages or genders, but tonight we know multiple children under the age of 18 have come forward with disturbing allegations, accusing 38-year-old teacher Alyssa McCommon of inappropriate conduct. As a seasoned detective, I can tell you there's no, no more cases that are more troubling to anybody to have to work than when you have an authority figure that possibly has breached a trust that this community has given her. So tonight, Chief Turner says the focus is on finding any other possible victims so they can get them help and file charges against McCommon. We just want to encourage uh, and urge any victims or their families uh, to come down and speak with us uh, or to speak to the sheriff's office. Oh, my stars, they really think there are other young victims. This kid, 12 years old, when he reportedly was raped by his female teacher, a married mom of two. What about this? Audrey Conklin joining me, investigative reporter, Fox News Digital. So the claim is made she has raped the little boy. She gets a bond. Is it true, Audrey, that she gets out on bond and one of the first things she does is contact the little boy against her bond conditions and says, you'll regret this. Yes, that's what police and local news are saying. Um, they're saying that she contacted the boy using a previously unknown phone number um, and was sending him text messages. And there was a phone call. Um, apparently, she told him that he would regret this. Um, you know, I think I think we can assume that she means uh, he'll regret speaking out against her and coming forward with his allegations. Um, and then she quickly, you know, I think realized what she was doing and said in another text message and in, in another text message that she wouldn't contact him again and please don't say anything. So she's obviously scared of um, retaliation. And Whoa, hold on, lady. <laughs> Not retaliation, prosecution, because Sam Dordulian. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm just so happy you did because it gave me a chance to really like raise a little H E double L on you. Hey, Sam Dordulian, that's called intimidating a witness. So now she's back in jail because the very first thing she did is do what the judge said: stay away from the victim, don't contact the victim. And she writes, "You'll regret this." Uh-uh. She's going to jail. I don't think she's ever going to get back out. Well, I hope she doesn't because, you know, we're talking about what she did to this little boy. We're talking about what she did to multiple children. And the impact on these kids is something that we don't talk about enough. I mean, these, this is lifelong trauma. There's new studies that are coming out that aren't even talking about the emotional harm or the psychological harm. They're talking about physical harm to the brain. We have multiple sexual molestations, as these kids have probably uh, faced. It starts changing the structure of the brain. You're talking about a brain injury. You know, we talk about it in, in, in the terms of psychological injury, but this is lifelong permanent injury that we're now starting to understand would have an impact on a child's brain and how that brain develops. The, the significance and the impact is so great that I hope to God she doesn't see the light of day, so she harms another child because she's clearly a predator. And so many children hurt here. If the allegations are true, and I have no reason to disbelieve the little boy, her own children have been dragged into this. What a mess. Actually, it's a felony. If you have information regarding Alyssa McCommon or any of her potential victims, Please call 901-475-1261. Repeat, 
901-475-1261. Goodbye, friend. Thank you.